0: This is Real Estate Rookie, show number 79-er.
1: I thought all real estate investors were snobs. Everybody's out to get you. Nobody wants to help. Everybody's a shark, everybody's selfish. I found that to be literally the opposite.
0: I'm Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with Tony Robinson. And today we are here to talk about my three thousand mile road trip from Texas and back with two of my kids.
2: You know, Ashley, I think my favorite part was like where you posted all of the random questions that you're sending and were asking you like along the way. <laughs> I got such a good laugh out of that. Like do fish breathe or, or <laughs> so many random questions?
0: Why can't a baby be born legs first? Why does it have to be head first? Like the fact that they even know to ask that question. And some of these things they were not (laughs) satisfied with my answers like i felt like i gave answers for some of these things so we had to sit and google them but one thing i did convince them of is that they are so excited to actually save money now and to buy their own house so they have their own little properties that we bought for them that they kind of take care of we inform them of what's going on and stuff but they actually want to uh start putting their hundreds of dollars (laughs) into a deal so The road trip was worth it uh, for that. There you go. I know you're going to spill out. You closed on six more deals this week. Let's hear it.
2: I love it. I love it. Um, Man, things are busy on our side as well. We've closed on two properties in the last couple of weeks. Uh, We've got another one that'll be closing in like uh, maybe three weeks from now. But I think the thing that I'm most excited about is that we're starting to work on a short-term rental fund. You know, everything we've done so far has been like kind of the one-off where we're buying one, we're setting it up, but we really want to kind of graduate to where we can buy just like a big piece of land out in Joshua Tree somewhere and just construct 10, 15, 20 short-term rentals all in that big piece of land. So we're we're in the early stages, but I'm super excited to see where that's going to take us in the future here.
0: And that's where we're going to host the Real Estate Rookie Mastermind <laughs> Conference at your compound you're building.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We'll get all the rookies to drive out to the desert.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I got uh, two properties from one buyer under contract. So I always like to say, make sure you guys ask if you're buying one property, ask if that seller has any other properties for sale because it is so worth it to see what they have or... Even if they say down the line, like, hey, you know what, next year I might be selling this, Uh, they'll keep you in mind. But let's talk about our guest today. And I feel like we have to hype ourselves up a little bit because our guest today is 19 and okay, doing amazing things, but also just her mindset and the advice she gives. I mean, she just rattled it off as This is what you have to do. And it takes hard work. It takes determination and just do it.
2: (laughs) She's so mature. She's so composed. She's so confident. And she shared the three things she does on a daily basis to help build her wholesaling business. She talked about how she's built relationships and leveraged networking to really uh, get her first few deals done. So if you want just a really both motivational, but also actionable episode, this is the one to listen to.
3: This show is sponsored by Airbnb.
2: to schedule a free 15 minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets.
0: Isabel, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you start off just giving a little bit of your background before you even got into
1: real estate? Yeah, so I'm 19, I'm from New York. My parents came here at a very young age from Poland so ever since i was little i was always taught determination hard work building up my parents are very simple people i love them to death they're the best so along with that i've also been playing basketball ever since i was five so that's another thing that i think adds to just learning to work hard my senior year of high school i got a job at a local restaurant it was a great time i met a lot of great people but due to covid obviously that got cut short but because of that job i was eligible for unemployment which was great obviously so <laughs> i started receiving a sum of money that to an 18 year old is a million bucks but of course my parents aren't investors or anything but my parents basically told me don't be an 18 year old don't blow it you know they said be smart so they told me you should start looking into stocks so That's what I did. I listened to my parents. I started listening to a lot of podcasts, watching a lot of YouTube videos. It was obviously a trial and error experience. I made money, I lost money, but it was, it was all learning experience. But also along the way I learned that many investors in the stock market also owned real estate, but to me, real estate, it was like an untouchable. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to buy real estate till I'm 35 with six figures in the bank. It's just not happening. Isabel, before we go into
0: more of your story and getting your deals and starting out in wholesaling, I just wanna reiterate to everyone that you are 19 years old and you are a real estate investor and you are a college student. And you are making this happen and I think you're going to be an inspiration to a lot of people listening and you're going to make a lot of people like me jealous that I didn't start when I was 19 years old so uh just first of all congratulations Thank and you. we're really excited for you
2: yeah and not only is she 19 years old but she just came from an accounting test before she hopped on this podcast with us so <laughs> she's juggling so many different things and i told her before we started recording i think she was the first person to come from a university exam right into the bigger pockets uh, podcasting room so
0: and i think the youngest too i don't think we've had anyone younger than 19 yeah So Isabel, you talked a little bit about how, once you started to learn about wholesaling, you did that through reading, listening to podcasts. What would be one piece of advice you could give rookie listeners if they're trying to choose their strategy, deciding if they should go with wholesaling, deciding if they should go with buy and hold rental properties, what advice can you give there?
1: Well, I'm obviously biased towards wholesaling. I I think it's morally a great thing. Like I said, you help all different types of people. And it's also one of the easiest things, I think. All you have to do is talk. You don't need to have a degree. I was originally a biology major. That's what I started off. I started off on the pre-med track. And the thing about bio that I noticed is different about a business and real estate is that I can't just walk into a hospital right now. I could read every textbook in the world about biology, about the human body. I can know everything possible at 19. But I cannot walk into a hospital and be like, hire me. But with real estate and wholesaling in general, I can have no money. I can have no degree. And the world is the limit with that one. There's so much opportunity with it.
2: Now, Isabel, you seem like someone who's an action taker. And I want to drill down on that a little bit, because I think so many would be investors, they get stuck in the analysis paralysis phase. Uh, But it seems like you're moving pretty quickly, right? You said you've been on several appointments. You've got a couple of deals in your belt already. How did you move past, you know, the educational phase of your investing journey, right? The podcast, the talking to other investors to actually getting that first deal under contract. Like, how did you not get stuck at just listening to the podcast?
1: I mean, I feel like something that usually bigger pockets and many books reiterate is that fear is what separates those with success and those with no success, even from talking to regular people. All I hear is, yeah, market's not good. I'm scared to invest in it. Like people I'm saying that don't have any rental properties, it's always an excuse. They're scared. What if the tenants don't pay? What if this? What if that? That's the problem. So I thought to myself, if I take a little action a day, that's going to become a big action. There's that quote If I become 1% better every day, I'll be 365% better at the end of the year. I think that's a great quote. So something that I think, I think three tips that are an example of these little actions, these little degrees that people could take. The first step is texting 10 real estate agents a day. That means just go on realtor.com, type in your city, uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey, whatever. And you'll get thousands of pages of real estate agents. You have their phone numbers. You text them. Hey, my name is Isabel. I'm a local real estate investor, yada, yada you know, a uh, cash buyer. If you have any type of pocket listings that are like, be super nice about it. Stay safe, whatever. It's just something that they'll have your name in the back of your head because you were nice because you reached out to them. That's actually how I got my first deal. But that literally takes maybe three minutes a day to text those 10 agents. The second tip would be going on Craigslist and looking at the for rent and finding 10 listings a day that the listings are either old or they look like they were taken with somebody's blurry iphone 4 it just shows that they, they didn't put any care into it if in my opinion if they didn't put any care into a the listing they don't really care about the property they want an easy way out so you text them you're like hey i mean uh, you message them hey i know it says for rent but would you be interested in selling If it's a no, it's a no, if it's a yes, there you go. But, and then the last thing, which this is actually what I start off with every day is reading 30 minutes a day, reading a real estate book, reading a business book, I try to fit into books a week, but it's just something that I do right. When I wake up with my coffee, like a grandma, and it's something that kind of fuels a fire for me. (laughs) I think
0: you're gonna offend a lot of people because I think a lot of people (laughs)
1: listening probably do that too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean it's not usually what nineteen year olds do when they wake up, but (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: true. Isabel, can you go back? You talked about pocket listings and I think this is such a great idea to text ten realtors and ask if they have them, but can you explain for everyone what a pocket listing is?
1: Okay, when somebody wants to sell their house, they're gonna reach out to a real estate agent what if their house looks like garbage they're still going to reach out to a real estate agent instead of the agent going around posting it on the mls and having that liability they'll have these listings and they'll send it out usually to a group of investors but by texting them you're the first one on that list how did you work up the courage to do this? You're
0: 19 years old. I mean, I still hesitate trying, you know, being the one that has to call and order food or anything like that. I do not like being on the phone. So how did you get overcome this? Is it just because you're texting them or, you know, you are making phone calls and how is that easy for you? Is that something that's just in your comfort zone?
1: First of all, I'm an outgoing person, but I think what's even more important is just the why that I have for myself. My why is that I wanna be financially independent in three years by the time I'm 22, by the time I finish college. So I know I'm not gonna reach that goal if I'm sitting around all day doing nothing. So I told myself I don't have to be cold calling for 12 hours a day, just something little every day. And sometimes I do get nervous. I, don't get me wrong, I've had people curse me out during cold calls. It's very discouraging. Um, (laughs) I just wanna turn off my phone at that point. But you just got to keep pushing. There's got to be that one person.
2: You know, something that I share with my son, he's 13. um, I I share this all the time is that courage doesn't mean that there's an absence of fear. Courage means you push through in spite of your fear. And it sounds like you've kind of mastered that whole idea. But I guess I want to break down a little bit more for the listeners. When you're cold calling somebody, right? Or maybe even that first cold call that you had. What are you saying? Right? They pick up the phone, they're like, hello, they're maybe angry, they're annoyed. Like, who is this person? What are you saying? How are you trying to build that relationship and build that rapport?
1: So, I used to, when I cold call people, I would say, Hi, my name is Isabel. I'm a local real estate investor. Would you be interested in selling your property? I've noticed that doesn't really work. People are scared of investors for whatever reason. They think investors are out to get them, top dollar, rip them off, which obviously isn't the case most of the time. But i think what's more efficient is just being down to earth with people so i say hi my name is isabel me and my sister i don't even have a sister we're passing a property on main street uh would you be interested in selling and they're like first of all they're like how'd you get my number you just try to be nice about it you're like we looked up tax records we're trying not to go through the mls we have some cash saved up yada yada whatever you just you make them trust you more nobody wants to sell their precious asset that they grew up in to somebody that's going to turn around and make it a cash cow and you can do that but they just they want to hear that you're going to love their home as much as they love their own home that's something that I learned through networking honestly like there's certain things that I believe in this business you cannot learn through podcasts and YouTube videos as wonderful as podcasts and YouTube videos are there's just something about talking to real life people that really teaches you like for example i met anthony from platinum home buyers which is a wholesaling company in jersey and he kind of taught me about the market in jersey that's something that i can't really learn from a podcast and same with elliot smith who's call magic he does um lead generation he taught me the ins and outs about cold calling he's the one that taught me to make it more personal that's honestly something that i haven't ever really heard in the podcast but through networking, it made all the difference.
2: I have two follow-up questions, Isabel. The first one is with those relationships that you built, you named two people that seem to be doing relatively well in the wholesaling space. How did you connect with them? I think a lot of new investors, they all would love to have someone that can kind of walk them through the ins and outs of getting that first deal done. How did you build that relationship with those folks to kind of help you along the way? I
1: don't know what a daisy chain is. I don't know if that's like a known, slang okay no i don't okay so if another wholesaler is selling a property another wholesaler can't come and wholesale their property right so there was another wholesaler trying to wholesale a property on craigslist and i posted their listing now this was two days after i learned what wholesaling was i did not know it was wrong but this guy anthony he kind of dm'd me and he was like hey, if you ever have any type of properties you want to move, we could do a split 70-30. And also, by the way, that's somebody else's property. And I was like, oh, like, whatever. Like, I had a ton of stupid questions for this guy. And he kind (laughs) of just, (laughs) he kind of just dealt with them all. And, and, you know, and I kind of went from there. So you weren't
0: afraid to ask him these questions. You can't be afraid. Everybody. And I think that's so great. He told you nicely, you had done something wrong. And instead of feeling offended or getting upset or feeling bad or giving up, you were like, well, this is an opportunity to ask him some more questions because he already gave me an answer to one (laughs) without even asking
2: And the important thing too, Isabel, is that you guys connected because you were taking action, even though it might have been the wrong action, right? And and he's like, "Hey, here's a better way to do it." The fact that you were taking action is what connected the two of you, and I think that's the illustrated point for the listeners: is that, and Ashley, we talk about this all the time, right? It's like if you're someone who's trying to get that first deal done, you got to start doing stuff. You got to be vocal about what you're doing, sharing it with other people, talking to other people, and the more energy you create around your desire to become a real estate investor, the more people you meet, the more relationships you build, the more uh, value other people can bring to you in return. So thank you for illustrating that for us. Isabel. I love your approach there.
1: So I learned that people love hardworking people. They love somebody that's already up here, love somebody that's down here that's hustling that wants to make it. So that's kind of how I met the second guy, Elliot. He has, like I said, the lead generation, the call center. So I called him, I was like, Hey, can you uh, We set up a zoom? And I had an interview with him and he was like, I'm we're not doing this for you. You're not ready for the call center. I'm going to help you, you know? And he absolutely loved it about me that I was hardworking and that I wanted to make it, you know? So like you said, it's all about just sharing your goals with everybody. And somebody knows somebody, somebody can help you out.
2: I want to go back to one other comment that you made, Isabel. Um, You you said earlier that you driving for dollars, you're on a lot of phone calls. You have several appointments and you have two deals you've already completed. How many people did you say you had to interact with to get those two deals? Was it five people? Was it ten people?
1: Oh, my God. Not even overreacting. I'm on the phone with at least five new people a day. And that might not sound like a lot, but for doing this for like seven months now, it's a lot. How long was it
0: until you got your first deal when you started diving in, making the phone calls, looking for properties?
1: So I actually, I mentioned before that people usually quit at the third month. That third month is when I got my deal. So the third month is when you hit that blockade and you just got to be like, I have to keep pushing and that's it.
2: I like that for the listeners because we see all the time where people say, I've submitted five offers and I haven't got anything accepted yet. Or I've been trying to get this wholesale deal done for like four weeks now and I haven't figured it out yet. Real estate is really a numbers game as well. And you have to put in the work upfront to see the benefit on the back end. So for all of the rookies that are listening right now, all of you need to adopt that same mindset as well, that as you step into the world of real estate investing, success doesn't happen on day one. Success doesn't happen on day 20, day 30. Success happens at day 90, day 180, day 365. And you've got to be persistent enough to see it through.
1: I actually, I worded that wrong. I, by the five people, I meant like other wholesalers as for cold calling, I cold call like 300 to 400 people a day. So that's a whole other, yeah.
0: (laughs) Are you using any software or any tools or is it strictly driving for dollars? What is your plan to actually get these phone calls? What's your sales funnel look like? I guess, or your lead generation look like.
1: I started driving for dollars actually maybe like three weeks ago. And my goal is to hit 3,000 of them. Obviously, I mean, I didn't hit that yet because, I mean, make a list of 3,000 distressed properties, but that's a lot, it's gonna take a little bit of time. So that's one list in itself. But other than that, I've been skip tracing, non-owner occupied, out-of-state owners with any type of tax liens or any sort of thing like that. Can you explain for everyone real quick what skip tracing is? basically getting somebody's phone number and their name and a little bit more like basic information, nothing too crazy, but (laughs) basic information that you need to make a phone call and know a little bit about their house.
0: What software are you using to pull your list and to do any of the skip tracing? Uh, Batch leads. Do you recommend that for a rookie investor who wants to get into wholesaling and what are the fees associated with that?
1: Honestly, do not know the fees exactly. I kind of look at it at the end of the month.
0: So it varies depending on how much you pull off a list and then how many skip tracing calls you're doing off of it.
1: I've been trying all different types of things. I also uh, have bandit signs up. That's working okay too. That's pretty good too, but that's a little risky. Each city is different with the laws regarding that. So I think everybody just needs to be careful when it comes to that, definitely. I've been doing that and all this while still playing basketball, school, (laughs) and obviously balancing my family and friends. So this whole experience of COVID, I think kind of taught me that a lot of doors close. Basketball to me was my whole life pre-COVID. It was, I'm going to play professional basketball. I'm going to be division one, this and the other. It did close some doors in a way that I got my season taken away from me, but that kind of gave me more time to start shifting my focus onto real estate and investing. And it eventually fueled my decision to transfer from my college four hours away to a college in New York City, which would result in me moving back home so I could attend appointments and all types of those things. So in a way, COVID closed one door, but opened many others. So I think my biggest advice with all of that is just always look for that door
2: got like such a positive mindset about life. And there's so many people that are twice, three times your age that haven't developed that uh, kind of growth mindset around life. But you, I don't totally know if it was your developing. parents. Or, <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> but you've done such a good job, I think, of just expressing the, the mental aspect of real estate investing is so important. You know, you said one door closed but another door opened. You're saying persistent with your wholesaling. Like just so many things you've commented throughout this conversation, I think, speak to that. One thing that I want to just kind of go back to, and we probably should have started with this, but for the listeners that don't know what wholesaling is, break that down for us. Like, what does it mean to wholesale a deal?
1: Obviously, house flippers out there who need distressed properties, but they just don't want to put the work in to find those distressed properties because it takes a lot of marketing and networking, obviously. So what a wholesaler does is basically find that distressed property, figure out the value of that property, and then figure out how much repairs are plus their wholesale fee on top. So for example, let's say a house is worth 200,000 fixed up. You take a percentage off of that, so from seventy percent to eighty percent. So let's say it comes down to hundred sixty. I think I did the math right. And then you subtract. Let's say it has forty thousand dollars of repairs, brings you down to one twenty. And then you want twenty thousand dollar wholesale fee. You need that property for a hundred thousand dollars. Now, the house flipper, oh, the cash buyer that you're gonna turn around to. And finding them is pretty easy. Once you have a deal, the cash buyers come. That's to me the easiest part. You post it on Craigslist, on Facebook, anywhere they'll come and you'll get offers in a day if your property is good. So they're willing to give you a wholesale fee, the ten, twenty thousand dollars, whatever you decide, and then you just assign your contract that you have with the homeowner to them. And it's completely legal in my market. I'm pretty sure in most markets. And yeah, that's basically it. You just collect the difference.
2: How are you estimating your rehab costs, right? Like you'd never done Mm -hmm. a rehab before, right? You're a 19 year old college student. How do you know what it costs to rehab this property?
1: The book, How to Estimate Rehab Costs. It's by Jay Scott. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that is an awesome (laughs) book. (laughs) That taught me everything that I know. Um, Of course, my dad's also a contractor, so that kind of helps me out too but i bombarded him with questions when i first started how much does this cost this that can you show me this he was showing me the furnace in the house like it was was crazy so definitely and then also going to home depot and just getting a feel for how much different things cost like that but i think it just comes with experience and obviously it's been too short for me i don't know every price i'm not saying that but i think i could get a rough estimate
0: I think that's great advice too is that you're not going to go know right off the bat how much a rehab costs and so it's great to look at who around you would know who can help you estimate that so use your family your friends ask those people and then read a book like the estimating rehab cost by Jay scott which is a bigger pockets book you can find in the bookstore then also going either online or in store to home depot lowe's and pulling up okay a bathroom. This will need a bathroom model. You're pulling up the tub surround. you're pulling up the vanity and just add it to your shopping cart and see, okay, it needs a tile floor. Okay. It needs grout. Add all of those things to your shopping cart. Okay. And a basic bathroom will need about, you know, whatever, $2,000 of materials. And then from there, you can ask someone labor. What do you think about this? So I think just gathering as much information as you can when you're estimating these rehabs from people around you and actually going and doing the legwork. Obviously, that's really time consuming is adding everything to your shopping cart that you absolutely need. But if you're not a wholesaler, maybe you are, a you know, want to do a burr. And so you are going to be doing the rehab. You're going to have to do that anyway. So you might as well practice adding those materials to your shopping cart.
2: I just want to add one thing there because what helped me, so I guess some backstory. We have our first wholesale deal that we just closed on in Joshua Tree, and we had never done rehab in that market. You know, We had done rehabs in, in Louisiana where we had our long-term investments, but we had no frame of reference for California. So what I did was I reached out to other investors that I knew in that market, and I said, hey, how much was your last rehab? And they said, oh, $32 a square foot. How much was your other rehab? You know, $37 a square foot. How much was your $29 a square foot? And I used those as Kind of averages to help me say okay this house is probably closest to this house i'll ballpark it at 32 dollars a square foot so for the real estate investors that maybe you have like no clue where to start like they wouldn't even know what to put in their cart if they wanted to you mm-hmm. definitely reach out to other investors in that same market is a good place to go as well
0: yeah that's really good advice but just make sure they didn't do their rehab a year ago when prices were <laughs> A lot cheaper than they are now. My business partner
2: hurt like 300% or something crazy like that. So.
0: Yeah, my partner's actually building his house right now. And luckily, he was complaining because he thought over the summer and this fall buying wood was expensive, but he actually feels like he got, it hit, got in at the right time because now it's even more crazy. <laughs> so, Isabel, can you break down one of these deals for us? How you found the property, how you handled the seller, what you did with the contract and
1: how you found a buyer for it. The deal that I'm gonna talk about was actually brought to me through texting agents, which I mentioned before, which I think is one of the most unique and important things for wholesaling. So I texted an agent. I didn't think she would respond, she didn't. And then a couple of days later, she's like, hey, yeah, I actually have something. Do you wanna come check it out? So I ran my numbers. I told Anthony, the guy that I mentioned before, and he was like, yeah, go check it out. Seems like a pretty good price range for that property. Again, networking. I wouldn't be able to figure that out without that. So I went over there with my mom. Now imagine showing up at a house, 19-year-old girl and her mom. (laughs) Like, how can you be taken serious? So. (laughs) 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 Sometimes that can be an advantage, though. Yeah, yeah. But (laughs) so I went there. I took pictures. I gotta go look at the property, and they were asking one sixty-five. So I knew that I needed it for like one fifty. That was the price range that I just wanted to collect the wholesale fee with the split with Anthony. Like I just knew that that was gonna be what I wanted. So I went back home. I sent him the pictures. He was like, "Okay, cool." i offered 140 when they were asking 165. so then they countered all for me 155 and then i said 150 they were like perfect so i just swooped in (laughs) i swooped in ten thousand under what i knew i wanted you never want to give them the actual price they want because then you know that they're going to give you something higher it's just negotiation is honestly a skill in itself but so i got that property for 150. I went back, I set up a lockbox, which is just a little thing you buy in Home Depot for 30 bucks. You could put the key in there. I got the key from the owner and I told the owner that I have contractors coming, whatever the story was.
0: You would close down the property when you put the lockbox on? No. Or this was
1: before you closed
0: and they this gave you permission? This was before I closed.
1: Yeah. He gave me permission because you have the inspection period. Okay. So this was something you agreed with them? Yes. Yes, it's very important to have that inspection period contingency and also an oil tank contingency because if there's an oil tank, um that's a very expensive I guess mistake to have. So I had somebody view the house, had a couple people, I sent some people, Anthony sent some people, and I think we had like four or five offers within two days, the property was a seal. So the highest offer that we had was for one sixty seven five hundred. That's already a almost eighteen thousand dollars spread. And then I split it with him and closed on it, and that was that.
0: So you assigned the contract. So you had the contract drawn up saying that you were buying it, or you could assign it to someone else. And then before you closed down the property, you assigned it to the new buyer. So it was no money out of your pocket. Nope,
1: not a dollar. Maybe the 30 bucks for the lockbox. But
0: <laughs> did you ever get nervous at all that you wouldn't be able to find a buyer and you'd be on the hook for this contract and have to back out? How did you kind of work through that courage? I mean, we've already seen already that you've got, you've worked up the courage to do a lot of things, but what about this thing in particular? Was it,
1: you think having Anthony as a partner to guide you through this? That definitely made me feel better because I knew that he knew what he was doing. He's been doing this for a couple of years now and he just knew what the property was worth. The biggest mistake I think new wholesalers could do is overvalue the property. And like what if I came in there and I was like, I'll give you two hundred thousand right now. No house flipper, no cash buyer is gonna buy it for two hundred thousand. So I think that's first of all an expensive mistake to have, but if you're going to do that, if you're gonna be a new wholesaler, contingencies are very important. Now I'm not anybody to give legal advice. I think people should speak with a attorney if this is their first time doing this and if they're doing it alone. But having the inspection period contingency, you could say something like, I don't know, like whatever it is, if there's something wrong with the house, you could back out and just, just having different exit clauses, I think gave me more of a cushion and helped me sleep at night without a doubt.
0: I want to just reiterate for everyone too, real quick, just about how you took on Anthony as a partner and you gave him half the deal. I mean, you really did the legwork in here. You found the property, you put the lockbox on, you even brought some of your own buyers, but that was worth it to you because you got to work alongside him to have him guide you as to how to properly do a wholesale deal. And when I did my first property, I took on a partner, I gave him tons of equity. I paid him interest on the money he put into the deal. And looking back now, that seems like, wow, that was a lot to do, but, That was how I got started. That was a benefit to me. I had access to his cash. And even now I'm looking at partnering with someone because they know that industry and I don't at all. And I'm willing to give them, I'd probably give them 100% and say, just let me follow along so I can learn this. And then, you know, it's like that saying, you give a man a fish, he eats for one day, but you teach him how to fish and fish forever. And I think as investors, you should think about that as yourself. Like, don't be afraid to give up equity in a deal or, you know, money in a deal to partner with someone who can really help you and give you that experience and that guidance too.
1: Exactly. Education and experience is priceless when it comes to real estate. Adding value to somebody else's life is another thing that's priceless. Even for Easter, I sent that real estate agent a box of cookies. It was a small gesture, you know, but it's just something that just shows that they're appreciated. So it's, it's adding value. Definitely.
2: Yeah, Isabel, it sounds like your first deal was like a home run i'd say in every sense of the way i have one other follow-up question how much time mm-hmm. passed between your first deal and your second a month got it so that first Whoa, awesome. one took you several months to get the first
1: mm-hmm.
2: second one happened four weeks later and i asked yeah. that question because it's not uncommon to see that trend for all real estate investors, right? That first deal, there's so much knowledge and time and you know effort that goes into educating yourself and building up the courage and pulling the trigger. But once you get that first deal done, second one happens so much faster, right? It, mm-hmm. it was a very similar situation for me. I got my first deal. It probably took me 18 months from the day that I said, I wanna be a real estate investor until I actually closed on that first deal. And I had my second deal under contract before my first deal even closed. Well, like that's usually the pace that you see people go at. So yeah. I just want to highlight you know, that it was a very similar experience for you because the
3: listeners need to hear that. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring your search is over. Really, there's no need to
2: search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com Slash rookie. Just go to indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie.
3: Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve steadily.com. can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. When BiggerPockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a
2: store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash BP rookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash BP rookie now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash BP rookie. I want to talk about mindset a little bit, Isabel. you've already shared all the ins and outs of the deal. And we know how much of a home run it was. But I want to drill down a little bit more on kind of how you've approached uh, becoming a real estate investor. If you think back to all of the kind of assumptions you had about becoming a real estate investor before you started, and you compare that to how things actually went, what were some of the misconceptions you had, whether good or bad?
1: good question i thought all real estate investors were snobs everybody's out to get you nobody (laughs) wants to help everybody's a shark everybody's selfish (laughs) i found that to be literally the opposite everybody wants to help whoever's willing to add value to their lives you know or whoever is just somebody that they've been in their shoes like when i hopefully get far one day i can't wait to help somebody like an 18 year old that wants to start up that has a passion for it Or it doesn't even have to be 18. I don't care, but just somebody that I know that wants this So I think that's a very big Probably one of the biggest misconceptions that I had and that proved to be the exact opposite
2: Real estate is definitely a relationship business And the more time I spend in the world of real estate investing the more that ideas reinforce Oh people- willing to help they're willing to be giving but you added a very important caveat is that you also have to find a way to provide value to other people right you provided value to Anthony by bringing him a good deal right you Mm -hmm. provided value to that real estate agent by allowing her to disposition a property that she couldn't sell on the MLS you provided value to the buyer by giving them a deal that they couldn't find anywhere else so even Mm -hmm. as you're looking to kind of build relationships with other investors always focus on what kind of value can you provide to make sure that it's a two-way street when it comes to that relationship.
1: Yeah, definitely. And even Elliot, the second guy that I mentioned, he needed help with his Instagram marketing and just growing his Instagram page. And so I kind of took over, he posted looking for an intern. I was like, I'll do it. Why not? You know, it's just, it's all about that. And I think another thing that I forgot to mention for a misconception about real estate is there's so many creative financing ways it's not even funny. I was actually in the process of buying a four unit. I put in an offer. This was days after I closed my first deal. I was going to buy this four unit. I was going to get 80% from a hard money lender because mind you I have like no credit history. I don't really like qualify for a conventional loan and the homeowner offered to carry a 20% note. So I was gonna get this property 100% financed and still producing a $3,800 cash flow every every wow. month. Yeah, so I was gonna do that. And then Elliot actually stopped me. This was right when I met him. He told me why, because I was overpaying for the property. I think like close to 75,000. He was like, why are you sacrificing an equity position? You know, and so I would have made a huge mistake if it wasn't for talking to him a deal like that with that type of creative financing it can be done it's all about looking at every property and seeing okay should i wholesale this should i flip this should i buy it as a rental
0: that's great advice and that kind of brings us right into our next segment the rookie request line so hopefully you'll have some great advice for a listener but for anyone that has a question that would like our guests to answer it on the show you can call the rookie request line at 1-888-5-ROOKIE and we may just play your voicemail on the show okay isabel today's question is from jeff in austin texas
3: hi this is jeff i've been a long time listener I currently close I live in California, Northern California, so the market here is a little out of my range. So I recently closed on a turnkey place in Texas and I'm looking to do the burr or maybe some flips to generate cash flow out in Texas and I'm curious the best way to go about curing a good contractor that's trustworthy and a wholesaler. And the team I need in place there, once you get them in place, it seems like it would be much less stressful and easier to do on uh, future projects. But the first one just seems very difficult to make that leap uh, with confidence. Anyway, any help would be greatly appreciated. I love what you guys do. Thanks so much.
0: Isabel, what advice do you have him for gathering his team and working up that courage to put them in place and to take action?
1: Yeah, I agree. So definitely once you get the first set of I guess contractors wholesale is it gets easier from there, so I definitely agree with that. I think a big part is referrals when it comes to contractors. I've never flipped the home myself, I've never done burr. I hope so very soon, but I think that when I would begin to do that, is definitely asking around any type of contractors, do you who's the best to do this, who's the best to do that. I've also heard going to Home Depot at 6 a.m. Like right when the place opens, you find contractors, plumbers, whoever you're looking for, the real hardworking people that you could tell are, they'll hustle. They're not scammers. Well, hopefully not. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's a good way to find them. And when it comes to wholesalers, I think just being able to talk to people, you could get a pretty good feel if they're genuine or not. I think the more conversations you have there's always going to be that gut feeling. This person stuck with me. They seem genuine. I think it's all about just following that and having more and more conversations and kind of being able to diversify who's more hardworking, who will add value to my pipeline.
0: Yeah, that's great advice, Isabel. And something that I've heard very frequently on the podcast from other investors is that it's not like they Google it and they call the first person and hire them either. They're doing what you said. They're talking with them, getting to know them. And I, I think that's great advice. And make sure that you're calling 10 of them, 20 of them, and really feeling them out and telling them what your expectations are, what you want to do, and then seeing what they can do for you, what they offer you without you even asking. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank you for answering that. That mm-hmm. was great. So next we have our random question segment. So this segment is just some fun questions that Tony and I come up with and we just pull off the list each week. So since you said in the beginning you are an avid book reader and you like to pull books from the Bigger Pockets OG podcast, what are a couple book recommendations that you would give out to a rookie investor who wants to get
1: started? I don't want to say Rich out for that. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. So I think Vivid Vision, it was a good business book. It was a short book that I read on like a plane ride going to Cancun with my family, but it was something that kind of helped me figure out what I want to do in the future. I think goals are very important, short-term and long-term goals. And I think that book kind of expresses long-term goals and it's, it's just, it's a very good read.
0: I haven't read that book yet, but I went to a mastermind recently where they had us do the vivid vision uh, worksheet and go through that exercise. And I did think that was great. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then the second book, which I'm currently reading, but I'm like halfway through, it's literally one of my favorites. I'm not even done with it, is Trump, the best real estate advice I've ever received. There's a hundred experts that Donald Trump chose. And I guess he asked them, each for their best advice. So it's filled with plenty of good things. Everybody's talking about something different and it's just, it provides a lot of value. Definitely. Those are two, I think, different books that not many people have read. Is there a negotiating one too? He wrote, I think
0: like his right-hand man wrote or something. Yeah, too. Yeah. Those were good. Yeah. Okay. And then for our last, uh, random question, what was something that happened in the last seven, eight months, where as a real estate investor, that discouraged you where you thought you like do you have a story of maybe even a phone call where someone really
1: got you down and you're like that's it i'm not gonna do this anymore this lady intimidated me pretty bad and it's not easy for me to get intimidated during cold calling i've gotten cursed out before cold called all different types of names it doesn't really hit me i'm like all right goodbye like whatever <laughs> but this lady she lectured me for like a good 15 minutes she First she, she answered the phone and she's like, yeah, I'm the owner. What's your name? And I told her my name and she's like, and how do you spell your last name? I didn't tell her my last name at first. And I don't know why I, I don't know why I just, I should have given her a fake name, honestly, because so she (laughs) She kind of caught you off guard though. I'm sure asking for it. I thought she was interested. Like most people that like write down my name and number are like, oh, I'm going to give this to my husband or like whatever and she's like and your phone number and she's like and your sister's name and now i have to make up a sister i'm like (laughs) (laughs) so what were some of the things she lectured you on she started asking me about my career i was like i don't know she started like saying all this stuff (laughs) she was like i'm a writer for H E T V and i think what you're doing right now is very unethical cold calling people and i was like miss i didn't mean to i just i didn't mean to disrespect you It was honestly like just a genuine question i don't want to go through i was like trying to be the nicest possible and she was like you could get in a lot of trouble people will report you they'll get you in legal trouble and now mind you this lady has my name number my fake career my (laughs) fake sister's name (laughs) like (laughs) yeah that was bad that was pretty bad so
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine as you're going through that, having to make up a whole new life. Oh my God. I was like, yeah, I'm 28. Um." Well, maybe she'll be listening to this podcast episode. Oh yeah, Yeah, that's going to be embarrassing.
2: Isabel, well, before we kind of wrap up the episode here, I want to give a shout out to today's Real Estate Rookie Rockstar. So for all of our listeners, if you guys aren't active in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group, you are missing out. Uh, There is so much interaction going on in there. And Isabel, you talked earlier about the importance of networking and getting to know other investors. Uh, That Facebook group is a place to be. I think we're almost like 30,000 people, which is crazy. But anyway, today's Rookie Rockstar is Kayla Ope. Um, And she closed on her first cash out refi today, uh, officially finishing off her first bird deal. Um, But they bought the property for $49,000 with a HELOC. They did about $13,000, $14,000 in repairs and it appraised for $108,000. So it sounds like an all-around home run deal for those guys.
0: Yeah, I want to mention the financing too in here. I was looking, it was a 15-year fix, but amortized over 30 years at 3.75%. So that's interesting to me. I haven't seen a bank that does it that way on the commercial side. I've only seen a bank that will fix for 10 years and then amortize over 25. So we got to find Kayla and find out what bank she's using. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Isabel. Can you tell us where people
1: can find out more information about you or reach out to you? Well, my Instagram is Isabel, I-S-A-B-E. L-L-E with three E's dot Z and well, I'm banned from Facebook. I wish I could give you that, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to tell us that real quick. What? Do, how does that happen? <laughs> I mean, they marked me like, imagine networking to so many people. They'll mark you as a spam. Like, <laughs> Oh, so as you like kept adding friends and messaging people. Yeah. I just kept messaging people and like liking people's posts and commenting. Like, Hey, can you email me this, this like. Yeah. Yeah, do not do that on Facebook. Definitely not.
0: (laughs) 19, banned from Facebook. Okay, well, thank you so much. And are you on the Real Estate Rookie Facebook? Oh, you can't because you're paying that, that. I, the I, bad I right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Instagram, you can find Isabel yeah. on Instagram uh, and reach out to her if you want to find out more about wholesaling or connect with her. She loves to network. Definitely, Yep. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us. I am Ashley at Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J Robinson. And don't forget to listen to the Rookie Reply on Saturday. I'll see you guys next time. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky